up, everything? The blues are in an endless tailspin, but we're not at a loss for words. We don't know what words we'll say, but we'll say a lot of them. We're going to throw things blindly at the wall and see what sticks, so let's get started and let's go blues! Welcome back, everyone. This is the Two Guys No Cup podcast. It is Thursday, October 18th, meaning I am a certain number of years and a half and one day old. (laughs) Uh, So that's information for your brain holes. We're coming to you from our bald and emotionless studios in Scarborough, Ontario, which is the hometown of Mike Yo in the Toronto Zoo also known as the home of the Buffs. We are here just just waiting, just waiting mm-hmm. to see who shows up. We here, to quote the Simpsons movie, we here at the Two Guys No Cup <laughs> podcast do not condone vigilante justice unless it gets results, which it will. How are you doing tonight, Ian? I'm doing great. Are you so excited? Team. Are you Mark Barrowetry levels of excited? Are you Ottawa Senator Sponsors levels of excitement? Oh, yes. Of course. Always. Always. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go any further, just wanted to give a quick shout out and apology to our friend Sarah from Twitter and uh, from bluesrant.com. She was going to be our guest today and we were too angry. Uh, we will be sure to have her on real soon. She's the most positive person on Twitter. I'm so sorry that we're so damn <laughs> we're <such> negative. <laughs> uh, but yes, we will have Sarah on very soon, and we're excited for that. Um, for the cup win, baby. I don't know about you, but I'm amped up. I'm angry about this team. Mm-hmm. I'm a little despondent, but mostly angry. <laughs> and I don't know how to feel. How do you feel? Um... It started off as shell shocked. Um, a team, team. yeah. You know what? That's pretty much it. We are a team. We're a team of players. I thought we're gonna work good together, and I knew. I told myself there would be time that this team needed to gel, and I still believe that. I just didn't think the time needed to gel was gonna be this long, and they were gonna look this bad. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. Um, Things that don't frustrate people are chemicals that, in fact, make them happy and stuff, I've been told. (laughs) Uh, What a great transition. (laughs) Uh, Marijuana and all of its subsidiary products were legalized in Canada. What what are the other ones? Mary Jane, (laughs) The Devil's Grass. This is the rest of the episode. Uh, Jazz cigarettes. Next week we'll do our Halloween episode. But this week, instead of saying spooky words, you'll just say different names for marijuana throughout the episode. Weed. How could I forget the classic? Well, of course, that you get there. Did you say devil's lettuce? Yeah. That's my favorite. Grass. Uh, indeed. Um, yeah. We, we, I 
threw a poll up on Twitter to see if people wanted us to talk about it, and it was about two to one yes, so we'll talk about it briefly. It is kind of big news in the hockey world because, as we all know, the hockey world revolves around Canada, and it's seven of 31 teams. <laughs> um, there are seven, right? You're correct. I felt like there were eight, but I kept only counting seven today in my head, so I was like, I sha- I can't be forgetting someone. Mm. I was remembering the Senators, so who could I have been <laughs> forgetting? Um, but yeah, so marijuana was legalized both recreationally and medicinally in Canada as of yesterday. Um, I'm not a person that's ever partaken. I'm as white bread as they come. People are welcome to partake. I have no <laughs> strong opinion on this issue. Um, but what what do you think about how this affects hockey and, you know, specifically hockey and the mm-hmm. NHL? Um, well, have you seen John Carlson before? <laughs> yes. Because he always looks high. Oh, Brayton Holpe's ecstatic. Oh, yeah. There's I'm a couple sorry. of players. I was trying to think of a few Brayden off the top Holpe's of my head. Brayton very, like, openly, like, pro-everything, which is fine mm-hmm. again. Mike Richards is sitting there going, oh, they legalized oh, marijuana. <laughs> Let's take a few more steps for my other habits. Um, yeah, no, I think it's I think it's a good, a good step in the right direction. Yeah, Look, I mean, I don't... We let's, don't. let's talk 1980s politics. <laughs> the war on drugs has failed. Uh, yeah, we don't have to dig too deep into the political world, but... We're in it. No. <laughs> but... Um, I don't know, yeah. It seems like a fine thing to do. It seems like one of the least harmful drugs that you could yeah. ever legalize I mean, anyway. I tend to think this is the direction everyone's heading, and we'll probably look back on it and laugh in a while. Uh, the reality is there are tons of positive benefits. I think it's silly to say there are no negative benefits. Um, but it does, you know, especially for hockey, it relieves pain. It can help recovery, and that includes, like, TBC oils and stuff mm. that aren't psycho, whatever the word is, psychoaffective or whatever the word is. Um, <laughs> I need some psychoaffection. Anyway. Ooh, uh, kinky. But yeah, it also ha- it also could potentially help reduce the effects of CTE, which would be great for this sport mm. that denies that CTE exists. So I think as far as hockey goes, I think it's fine. Um, I do think I thought of two potential problems that I see with this, just for hockey in general. For one thing, well, three, but two of them are related. (laughs) For one thing, the NHL's really bad at forethought and Mm. foresight and acting ahead of time. So this will come back to bite them at some point. And here's how I expect it to happen. People are going to get caught crossing the border with marijuana. It's just going to happen. Oh, yeah. And they will be NHL players, and they will be Canadian citizens who are breaking the law by entering the U.S. with marijuana. The NHL needs to get out ahead of that. And it's not. I'm not saying they're trying to smuggle or anything. They will just forget, you know. They'll have mm. it in their bag or whatever. They'll have a road trip from... Ottawa to Toronto to Buffalo, and when they go across to Buffalo, they'll just forget that they have it. And that's fine. The other thing is, it really, to me, should be policed in junior hockey, because I could see this sort of thing preventing some people from becoming hockey players 
that otherwise would have. It's not addictive, but in the same way that Fortnite mm. destroys careers. So Is it more dangerous than Fortnite? Is Fortnite know. now more dangerous we'll have, because of marijuana? We'll have to call Patrick Line and Brock Besser and find out. Patrick Line is getting high twenty four seven now. Yeah. Just look at that guy's face. Yeah, exactly. I don't I don't want to linger here too long, but I just it is interesting news and it'll be I I predict we'll talk about it more at some point when somebody gets caught or something and and the NHL is just like always with its pants between yeah. it, around its ankles. Um because it doesn't have a policy ahead of time. Which blues player gets caught? Why the first person that came to my mind was Patrick Maroon, but he's an American, so <laughs> and if, assuming it would have to be a Canadian, that feels like a Jordan Cairo. <laughs> Jordan, you haven't oh, even scored God. your first goal yet, Jordan. You can't be caught with five, I don't know, pounds of weed. <laughs> five tons <laughs> of weed. How much do people smoke? Uh, speaking of times that the NHL has gotten caught with its pants around its ankles, let's revisit... The Austin Watson story. Oh, for boy. just a brief minute. Um, Austin Watson's girlfriend released this statement, and I just didn't think it would be fair as much as we talked about this story to not read it okay. real quickly. She said, I would like to start by saying how much I appreciate my family and friends' support during this time. I would also like to extend my sincere compassion to victims of domestic violence. The incident that took place on June 16th, however, was not an act of domestic violence. Austin Watson has never and would never hit or abuse me. My behavior and state of intoxication led to the police being involved that day. I have struggled with alcoholism for many years and I am actively involved in AA. I am fortunate to have Austin's continued support with my treatment. We handled matters poorly on June 16th and know that we need to make better decisions going forward. I take full responsibility for my actions that day. I would like to sincerely apologize to everyone involved for the negative attention that followed this incident, including the Nashville Predators community community, and the city of Nashville. Uh, that is Jen Guardino, Austin Watson's girlfriend friend and the mother of his child. I don't want to linger on this at all, but just to say I'm confused why this statement comes out now. And I just think the NHL has got to do a better job of having things established ahead of times. Mm-hmm. When this new CBA, I mean, we know it's going to be a work stoppage, so we might as well work in some actual guidelines for their punishments because they have no idea what they're doing as was evidenced by the Mike Matheson hit earlier this week. <laughs> We're just knocking him down this morning on the two, this morning, this evening on the Welcome two GNC to podcast. Two guys, one cup of joe <laughs> podcast. Uh, that's right, because I don't drink coffee. I'm very milk <laughs> he, he doesn't do any drugs, folks. <laughs> I'm like a a straight edge person. That's what I was a trying Mormon. to think of. Yeah, I was gonna say a Mormon, but I didn't want to offend our our long contingent, a large contingent of Mormon listeners. We love you all. Um, <laughs> Mike Matheson was suspended. For, 
why do we have to have these conversations all the time? He laid a disgustingly dirty hit mm-hmm. on a kid in his fifth NHL game, and half the hockey world is defending him. That's the long, that's the short version of this yeah. story. Elias Peterson broke his ankles like a friggin' tree, like a tree that just stood there. He just skated around him, except trees don't fall down to the ice when you walk around him. <laughs> and later in the course of that same play, Mike Matheson found Elias Peterson behind the ice. He checked him into the boards, took him off his feet, and hit him with a move that is known in the professional wrestling community as the rock bottom. It is known in the judo community as an uranagi. It is a slam to the ice in this case. It wouldn't be ice in either judo or wrestling for that matter. But it is a slam to the ice assisted by the arm. Uh, Pedersen, Elias Pedersen, uh, has a concussion, is expected to be out seven to ten days, but who knows with concussions? Mm -hmm. That's kind of the thing. To me, this is just a cut-and-dry, awful hit. And I've heard so many discussions about this used to be a queen hit. If this used to be a queen hit, the sport was broken before. (laughs) I'm so—like, I don't—I— I have there's so much too where it's like, well, you've got this is how people defend. They take people to the ice, and it's like there is such a difference between pushing a guy to the ice, even along the boards. Like if I if I stop your momentum and just kind of fall forward with you, like like an NFL tackle. Mm. That is basically what that is, except probably less impactful. Versus a guy who is off his feet that you are slamming to the ice. Did you see footage of this hit, yeah. or am I just bringing no. it on you blindly? <laughs> what? No, I saw it. It's, it's like extremely dirty, I think. And then people are like, well, you know, they're facing each other. And it's the whole, well, he's got to know that's coming. That's a, it's a sport of hockey. It's a rough, rough and tumble game. I'm like, you shouldn't have to defend yourself from getting slammed into the ice. In fact, hell, I'll take the defend yourself from an incoming punch because that happens, mm. but not like the slam. Was this after the whistle or was this before the whistle? It was during play. It was I during think. play. But like, I don't know. Did he even have the puck? I don't I literally just remember the motion. No, I don't think he did. Or he, I think he'd just gotten rid okay. of it. It was similar to that. Well, I'm thinking of a different. Well, either way, hit, <laughs> it's it was, a play in frustration. Yeah, and that's I mean, what annoys really me is. too. Is he really like, got his ankles broken. Yeah, and he's embarrassed that he just got embarrassed by a an uh, eighteen year old, nineteen year old Swedish kid. I get that. Like the red mist is natural to an extent. We can't remove this from the game, mm-hmm. but he should be punished for it. Yeah. And that so Ken Reed, uh, who's an author and I guess a journalist. I don't know much about his mm-hmm. background, but he was on the Steve Dangle podcast this week, and he talked about how. And I, th- I think his argument is good. I disagree with his conclusions, but his argument was basically the NHL is torn between the old age of letting the players police this sort of thing mm. and the new age of them being the police, and they're not doing a very good job of either. And I agree. And his point was basically he wishes that we could all go back to the olden times where the where the players police this, but if we aren't going to do that, then the NHL needs to lay even stricter penalties on this. And I agree, two games isn't enough for this to me. Yeah. Like, this this whole idea that you're missing two games and that somehow affects you, Mike Matheson got a, a nice big contract last year. I think it was like eight years at five per or something. I mean, it was a very sizable contract. Two games is like, I don't know, 141st, however that divides mm-hmm. out. Of one eighth of that contract, <laughs> so it is not 
much pain for him. And look, he's not a repeat offender. He doesn't have to be taken down. But five to eight games doesn't seem unreasonable for this. And there was another discussion, I think this one on the 31 Thoughts podcast. And this is one where, like, out loud it seems unfair, and usually I try to do the most fair thing. But there was a discussion about, well, is this a bigger deal because it was Pedersen and he's supposed to be the hot young star of the league? And if so, is that fair? And and in my head it was like, yes and yes. Because (laughs) A, in the olden days, enforcers existed to protect the Gretzkys and the Lemieux and the whoevers. They weren't there to protect the third line right winger. Mm -hmm. They were the third line (laughs) right winger. You know, this game only grows... And this was one of the points Merrick or Friedman made. This game only grows with stars. And when stars grow the game, they make more money for everybody. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they need to protect Elias Peterson a little more, Pedersen a little more, if only because, A, he's a kid, B, he's a big star, and as a result of both of those things, he's going to be an increased target. And if you're not letting the players police it, which I'm fine with, You've got to police it more strictly yourself, mm-hmm. and you've got to especially, in my opinion, yes, protect star players. I don't know. What do you think about that? I think it's the only way to go is to let the NHL police the game, too, because I would rather it be players police the game, but I also think that just leads to more injuries, more concussions, more of what we're trying to get rid of. Yeah. So you just kind of have to go, these are your two options. And one of them just really isn't an option. Mm -hmm. They want to say they're both an option because they kind of, I feel like the more old people that are still in front offices and still part of, you know, these clubs, and that's fine. You want a varied amount of age groups or whatever, different viewpoints. As long as they're still here, they kind of have to honor them. So it's like, yeah, you know, these are both options. You know, you got to sort of let the old guys or the old ways be part of the game still. But it's like, really... You don't. Yeah. You could. They could make this cut and dry right now, but they don't want to because that would be like a shock to the system and you'd get old farts yelling about it. But really, if they wanted to, they'd be like, no more of this. That could be, you know, 10-game suspension. We're not going to deal with this crap anymore. Mm-hmm. But instead, they want to slowly... They're going to slowly ease into it as these this older group slowly retires and, you know, moves out of the game. Yeah. And they're so bad at this. I mean, it took them four Tom Wilsons to get to 20 games. <laughs> yeah. And the third one was a joke because it was the playoffs, and this is this is their worst and most criminal offense to me. the The idea that your playoff suspension should be less. I'm sorry, no, it shouldn't. If it's an equally criminal act, hmm. it should not be less. It should. I don't know. It should not be less punished just because it's in the playoffs. And I don't care if it screws your team. You screwed your team. Yeah, that's why. I was Tom Wilson screwed his team by trying to ice murder Zach Aston Reese in the playoffs last year. Nazem Kadri tr- screwed his team by trying to ice murder. Who was it? I forget who oh, he hit. Oh, somebody on the it? Bruins. Wingles. Wingles, yes. That's why, because he's not a Bruin in my mind. He's just always a shark. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that... That was a, a vile hit in both cases, and the fact that they, they both got three, right? I think so, yeah. That's just, I'm sorry, that's a joke. And for Codfrey, Codfrey's a repeat offender, too, a little bit. Mm. So, like, I don't know. One, one of the points he kept making is, you know, the, and this is a point I always disagree with because people talk about, well, you know, if you, poli- if you let people police this, it won't be a problem 
and the NHL doesn't need to enforce things. And I'm like, that's not how laws work in the real world. Mm-hmm. You can let people police murder. It's still going to happen. And that was kind of the other thing he said was like, well, people are just going to get angry. Stuff's just going to happen. We can't make hard and fast rules for that. And it's like, no, we can because people are just going to, you know, murder people or rob banks or drive drunk. And we still have hard and fast rules rules that those are illegal. Like you can't. You can't encourage, for God's sakes, do not encourage retroactive, you know, reactionary mm. thinking from this league because there's plenty of it to begin with. I well, don't know. People are already trying to get guys like, you know, Zach Ronaldo, and he's probably one of the, the lighter types of those players, you know, back in the day, out of the game. Mm-hmm. In the same breath, those are the same people that go, well, we, you know, we could have other players police this. And it's like that, you're opening the door for those guys to come right back in. Yeah. It's not Brad Marchand's going to start dropping the gloves or, you know, go for like a retaliatory thing. It's, um, yeah, it's pretty much Zach Ronaldo. Who else am I thinking of here? There's a few of these dirty guys. Uh, Dan Carcillo, although still, he's kind of nasty. Yeah, Carcillo is the one I'm thinking of. But I just mean, like, and those guys Bertuzzi, aren't... Yeah, so some well, of those guys aren't even the worst of it. Those are the worst of it recently because they've <laughs> really tossed out yeah. the enforcer. Those guys are gone. Like, when people say, well, Ryan Reeves is kind of the last enforcer, he's not oh, even no. close to an enforcer, man. I don't even think he's even close compared to what people used to be. It yeah. used to just be a thug on skates. Right. That dude just bounced after the game. And then they were like, you want to come to the hockey game? You can punch a dude in the face. Like, sure, why not? Let me just take these roids out of my arm or whatever yeah, first. and that's like, there are people out there who have... There used to be people who had an average of 300 penalty minutes. Yeah. Which means you're getting in a fight... I don't know, once every two games at least. I mean, to get, you have to have an average, to have 300 on the season, Hmm. you're averaging four plus per, three and a half plus per game, which means you're fighting a lot. And that's just like, that just has to stop. I'm sorry, like, I know we all want what made the game great in our youth. And like, in baseball, I, I'm I'm a hypocrite because in baseball there are things that would probably improve the game, like the DH in both leagues, that I'm just like, no, I don't want it. But, like, the stakes are a lot lower with the DH coming <laughs> or going than with concussions and young stars having their li- livelihoods endangered. You know, God forbid. And and I'm, I'm not, you know, Mike Matheson, I'm not trying to say this could happen. But if the angle of that landing's two degrees higher, that could be a broken neck rather than a concussion, you know? And that sort of thing, we just can't risk it in the game. Vancouver is an amazing hockey town that has a reason to be excited for the first time in, like, five years. Mm -hmm. And you can't let Mike Matheson just take that guy off the ice because he got skated. That's just You just have to stop that. So two games, to me, is laughable. It's equally laughable to the preseason suspension for Max Domi and the Austin Watson thing and uh, the Tom Wilson thing, which probably will be reduced next week. Uh, but, I mean, Tom Wilson is is a step in the right direction, but they need to move consistently in that direction. Uh, before we discuss the Blues suffering, should we laugh at some other teams suffering a little bit? Let's do it. Let's talk about Chicago and Duncan Keith. Did you see the logo? Oh, Please yes. tell me you saw I the did. logo. So our game against Chicago, which we'll discuss in a minute, which happened a week ago tonight? No, a week ago, for Saturday night, I guess, Yeah, was Duncan Keith's thousandth game. 
in the NHL, or they were celebrating a thousandth game. I don't yeah. know if it was, you know, it might have been the night before and this was their first home game. But to celebrate DK1K, as they called it, for some reason, they made a logo <laughs> that took out the first K, I guess because it was redundant. And so instead, it just said D1K or Dick. It said that Duncan Keith was, well, I mean, what we know that he was, yeah. but it was just, I don't know how these things, this is, this is one of the things that routinely baffles me in life is like, Lots of people had to approve that. Yeah, it's not just like like if somebody sends a racist tweet, that's just one guy. It's just like okay, that. you just boom and like you're stupid and you're bigoted and mm. you're basic and get out of <laughs> here. But like when companies publish things like this, it's like no, 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 no. There was like a whole staff of people that let this happen. And look, it's not like it's not the same as a racist tweet. It's just a stupid oversight. But my God, did people <laughs> have fun? And I enjoyed it very much. Speaking of the Blackhawks suffering, Brandon Sod. Mm-hmm. Have you <laughs> heard about him lately? I know he's a player. Uh, he's the best player in the Panarin trade. I'm sure the, he he's is. the best player. In the trade that I had to use the other player's name in. Exactly. <laughs> and that's why he was a healthy scratch tonight. Oh, but Jonathan Taves needed him. He demanded the front office get Brendan Sod back. He said, we need him so much. He's been on the fourth line. He was a healthy scratch tonight. Getting the Vince by Dunn the, treatment. By the way, imagine healthy scratching your veterans who are underperforming. Rather than just picking on kids in their first or second season. What a novel idea. <laughs> Thank God Mike is a much better coach than Joel Quinville. Mm-hmm. And the friggin' guy in Montreal who did it to uh, Carl Alsner. Brandon Sod is owed how much money, do you think, for how long? Um, isn't it like $6 million a year for the next four years? Three, I think. Three years? Through 2021. Okay. So that's, yeah, that's three seasons. But you're very close. Very nicely done. Thank yes. you. He's owed $6 million a year until 2021. Uh, our Tammy Panarin, just just to compare, <laughs> had, as of Monday, three goals and seven points in five games and a Corsi 4 percentage of 55.4. Mm. Tyler Mott, who was the other player that went to... Columbus in this trade was used in the trade for Thomas Vanek, who, as much as we mock him for being the perennial trade target, did score 15 points in 19 games for the Blue Jackets last season. I would say that the Blue Jackets won that trade. I Inclusively. guess. But hey, they had to have. They had back, to have them. Much like we had to have Zach Sanford. Mm-hmm. Before we move on oh, to no. the blues sadness, All right. should we quickly stop by the <laughs> Senator's <laughs> Sadness Summit? Let's do it. Because I'm so agreeable tonight. Yeah. The Senators have a star rookie. His name is Brady Kachuk. Oh, no. He is, did you not hear this? No, I did hear Keith, it, but no. I forgot. He I remember. Keith Kachuk's son and Matthew Kachuk's younger brother, and he is now on the shelf for a month with a torn ligament. He had, what, um, 
let's see, three goals, three assists, uh, in four, in his first four NHL games, and now he's on the shelf. I wish nothing ill on Brady Kachuk, but boy does life suck for the Senators. But hey, on the bright side, losing their star rookie for a year, for a month, will help them lose more games, which will ultimately help... (laughs) The Colorado Avalanche select Jack Hughes number one overall. It's all darkness for the Ottawa Senators, which is why we have our Senators Sadness Summit. Um, anything else you'd like to discuss before we discuss the inevitable? No, let's just... I'm proud of us for moving through NHL news as relatively quickly as we did. Because we're determined to get to this friggin' team. I feel like we have to be extra vitriolic tonight to justify having postponed our guest. Who was very gracious... But now we have to be extra angry yes. and make it worth Thank it. you, Sarah, because it's it's just it's darkness from here. It's just darkness. Let's dive into the darkness. Let's do it. Game recap, I guess. Why not? Let's go for Blues, it. Three Blackhawks, four in overtime. We've gotten two points from the Blackhawks. Sounds good. Us to overtime. <sighs> This team exists. <laughs> um, oh boy. Okay, let's just let's just dive in. Um, at the first break in this game, I commented that I thought both teams have looked fine, and that there was definitely some feeling out going on. I said, "Yoki Haru takes a shot." Oh, this was a big one. Not to pick on Jake Allen, but. Listen, nobody's getting nobody's getting a pass this week, so we might as well just not even handle with kid gloves. Jo- Henri Yogi Haru. This was the game where Jake Allen saved so many shots and was supposed to be the hero. Henry Yogi Haru took a shot that Jake Allen absolutely let trickle through, that he absolutely had no business at all letting trickle through and it just so happened to go slightly wide of the post which yes you can say he made the save but if that's your definition of him making the save you and i evaluate goaltenders a little differently (laughs) but after that the hawks um started circling and i said you could feel the goal coming comp had a great Opportunity at 9.51. His name is literally Kampf. How unfortunate. Um, Fine. <laughs> uh, but he couldn't bury with Alan indisposed because Bo Meester interfered with him. This was a controversial call. Do you remember this? We had a little discussion on Twitter. Um, I, I, just, I just thought it was interference. I think I can see both sides. I, I can't remember the name of the very polite gentleman who we who our account debated this with a little bit. He was on the side that it should have shouldn't have been interference. I thought it was pretty cut and dried interference at first, and then later thought it wasn't. But whatever the case, it was called on Bowmeister, and on the ensuing power play, the Blackhawks scored 
very late in it, I think. Um, Artem Anisimov got his first goal of the season. Uh, Saad got the puck, took a drive to the net. Uh, Allen padded it away right to the stick of Anisimov. And, you know, as I've talked about it before, but Allen's re- rebound control... Not very good. It's not. It's it's one thing to let the rebound happen. I understand there's only so much you can do. But when you kick it right to the stick of the opponent, that's when I have a little <laughs> issue. Uh, but at the same time, Vareko wasn't boxing out Anisimov at all, and he has a totally empty net for the power play goal. Um, yeah, not a great start. Mm-hmm. Looked good at the beginning. At least we didn't concede a goal... I don't know, 39 seconds in or something. Foreshadowing. Uh, But it wasn't great. There were lots of penalties. The Blackhawks got an eight-second five-on-three, which we killed because O'Reilly won the faceoff. And then they scored again. A power play goal, Patrick Kane, was Patrick Kane. He's back to being good again. (laughs) Hooray. Um, Yeah. Allen got up. This was a weird tangle on the net. Allen stood up with his back to the puck, which is not great. He's done that a numerous lot. times, yes. and it's kind of I like... I understand you're trying to what? get to your feet as quickly as possible, but you can't save a puck if your back's to it. I mean, other than they just shoot it into you. It was not great. You're trying to get up as fast he as possible. He fell down again like... over Bomeister Pareko. Kane had a wide open net and scored easily. <laughs> Uh, and the end of the period, Allen did make a nice pad save on Fortain at the doorstep, which kept us in the game, or so it was explained to me on Twitter. It was 2 to nothing at intermission. David Perron scored a power play goal, 144 into the second, unassisted. His second straight game where he was able to capitalize on a complete flub by the goaltender. This time, the goaltender was not world-renowned puck handler Mike Smith, but world-renowned very bad goalie Cam Ward. (laughs) He has Uh, a cup. He tried to play it in the trapezoid. He has more cups than this podcast Mm -hmm. and failed miserably. Perron collected it and easily backhanded it into an empty net before Ward could get back. It was barely a power play goal because time was expiring as it had happened, but we'll count it. Uh, Braden Shin scored a power play goal. You know what I didn't say? I didn't say that we skipped a whole period in here. That's my bad. In the second period, (laughs) Braden Shin scored his first goal of the season, assisted by Jordan Schmaltz and Vladimir Tarasenko, assist their first assists of the season for each of them. Uh, Allen did make a number of huge saves early in the second. To give him credit, he did look pretty good for the most of this game. Um, Schmaltz handled the puck really nicely on the blue line at this point. He pulled up and played keep away from Debrinkat. The one thing I will say about Mike Yo, I'm sorry, this is just stream of consciousness at this point, but Mike Yo did challenge Schmaltz to play with the puck more confidently, and he made this play, and I think he played in both of the ensuing games, right? Mm-hmm. Schmaltz has been in the past three, so maybe he's just being honest a little bit. Um, he passed to Shin in front of the slot, and Shin fired it away. It was a nice goal. Schmaltz's first point came as his brother is called for a delay penalty, which he was in that. So it wasn't a power play goal, but we probably had the net empty. It was a really nice goal, and uh, it was just as an aside cool to see Jordan 
get the upper hand in the Schmaltz rivalry for the first time that they were allowed to play against <laughs> each other. So good for him. Back to where we were, Braden Shin scored his second goal of the season. Yada, yada, yada. We're up 3-2. to two. Everything's rosy. Until what mm-hmm. happened, Ian? Did, it, did we win? I had, I went to sleep. Oh, I was hoping we you did. You were very sick at the time, probably, so I'm sorry. We didn't win. <laughs> Alex DeBrincat scored uh, twice. Um, he, uh, this he's a was, good player. He's very good, yes. The Blues went for a very ill-advised line change. Duncan Keith found this out and made a great pass to Taves from center ice. Maroon and Edmondson both played Taves, leaving DeBrincat unattended. Remember that for a discussion we'll have later about man-to-man defensive schemes. Uh, DeBrincat fires a wicked wrister to beat Allen High, a blocker side. Um, we tried pretty hard later in the rest of that period to gain the lead again, but could not. We got it to overtime. Uh, I said optimistically at the time that if you'd offered us a point when it was 2-1 to one at the start of the third period, we'd all have taken it, which was true, but not much comfort, especially after uh, Alex DeBrincat scored the game winner with like 9 or 11 seconds left. Uh, this was a very strange play. Kane failed to shoot on a really nice chance, uh, but he passed down low to Gustafson, who carried it around. DeBrincat drove to the net and took a shot. It was blocked, but he circled the net. Gustafson got it and sees DeBrincat circling unmanned. He hits DeBrincat for the one-timer on an empty net. Shin and Edmondson were both down on the ice, having fallen over one another, both trying to block DeBrincat's initial goal, though I do believe there was some arguable interference from Gustafson that led to that. We lose 4-3 to three in overtime, getting our just our fourth point of the season and our only point from this podcast. <laughs> Thoughts on this game, Ian? Uh, same as last game. I mean, it seemed like up and down, back and forth play. Like, we didn't look great, but we started to look a little better in the second and third. But somehow we, again, can't close out a game. We can't keep a game, a close game, as a win. And it seems to be a problem throughout all the games prior and all the games after. Yes, it's not great. <laughs> um... Urgency. I, I believe they can, had to play with more urgency, Stephen. I, I guess we can talk about this now because let's just do it. It's all a stream of consciousness. This team sucks. Uh, we have been outscored. Did you like how my voice broke in there? We have been <laughs> outscored eleven to six in the third period this season. I believe it. Against. Winnipeg, we allowed four goals to our one in the third period, which does slant those numbers somewhat, but not enough. Uh, Chicago, in the first game against Chicago, we scored two goals to their one, much like we did in the second game against Chicago, but we surrendered the tying goal uh, in the sixth minute, late in the sixth minute. Calgary outscored us two to nothing in the third period, though we did win that game. We took the foot off the gas. Uh, The Blackhawks, again, it was one to two, but we surrendered the tying goal in the 13th minute. And then against Montreal, we each scored one, I think, one goal in the third, uh, but we surrendered the game winner Mm -hmm. with 11 seconds left. And against Anaheim, they scored two in the third to our zero and surrendered the winning goal in the 14th minute with six minutes left. Not great. 
We <laughs> used to have this issue where we'd take the second period off. That was a big thing under Ken Hitchcock. We'd look great in the first, we'd look bad in the second, we'd battle back in the third. Now, we don't show up for the first, maybe do all right in the middle portion, and then just leave at the 50-minute <laughs> mark. I don't think that's an improvement, but I guess you could paint it that oh, way. I pine for the days of Ken Hitchcock. I never thought I'd say that, but boy... Bring that old bag out of retirement, please. <laughs> Do we want to talk about Anaheim again? Or now, rather? Sure. Get okay. all these games out of the way. Yeah. I got some shit to say. <laughs> Anaheim, we lost 3-2. to two. Next? No. Uh, <laughs> Jacob Silverberg scored on an embarrassing breakdown late in the first period. Edmondson took a heavy shot that didn't get through. Uh, Hampus Lindholm hit a diving pass to Jacob Silverberg, who is all the way gone. Colton Pareko was on the ice. Not a clue what he was doing. At some point, he was chasing down Silverberg, but not as quickly as Joel Edmondson was, even though he was closer. I'm very confused. <laughs> uh, Silverberg roofed it on Johnson, who, for his part, also did nothing to save it. I mean, I don't think he could have, mm. but if we're going to bury Allen for letting him break away goals, not great to be <laughs> Chad Johnson's first goal against on the season. Um but, you know, we rallied again, as we do, as we have been doing. Alexander Steen had two goals, his second goal, excuse me, in the second period. Uh, Edmondson and Tarasenko assisting. Edmondson wind up for a big shot from the point that Steen deftly tipped in. It would be the kind of goal that would be very, very nice and very appetizing if the team wasn't such a train wreck right now. <laughs> uh, Tyler Bozak scored his first Blues goal, his first ever goal, not wearing a maple leaf on his chest. Well, first ever NHL goal, not wearing a maple leaf on his chest. Uh, Patrick Maroon assisted his third of the season. Uh, Tarasenko moved the puck to Maroon, who was sitting by the net. It was nice. He got it out to Bozak, who took a couple whacks at it and got it in the net. Again, nice power play goal. It's how a power play is supposed to work. We did get to the dirty areas. All things that we could celebrate if this game had turned out differently. <laughs> but, as always, we had to play the third period. And boy, did we not want to. <laughs> uh, ben Street scored a goal that tied it. Uh, Fowler passed to Manson through Ben Gibbons' legs. It was a kind of pretty nice pass. And Manson took a shot that Ben Street tipped in. Uh, and then seven minutes later, with five minutes remaining, Andrew Cagliano scored on the power play. Petro just botched a play behind the net. It was so bad. Cagliano just took it polite and pretty and easy as she comes off of Petrangelo's stick and uh, sk skated in front as he fed it to Kessler. Uh, Lindholm hit, or excuse me, fed it to Lindholm, who hit Kessler in front, and Cagliano got the rebound off Kessler's shot. Nice and easy. Bob's your uncle. 3-2 loss. No points. Any additional thoughts? I watched the end of this game, and I thought we were going to win, because I thought we actually looked pretty good. I was like, this team looks a little more confident than I've seen them all year. Feel like they're what we were at home after that loss to Chicago. I was like, this feels like a solid win, and they proved me wrong yet again. I forgot Chad Johnson was in that. He looked 
okay. Here's the thing about Chad Johnson. He was fine. Mm-hmm. Not great, but fine. You, Nothing that Chad Johnson did, Jake Allen would have done better, is all I'm saying. That's all I'm trying <laughs> to say. That's all you're saying. Uh, we'll talk about it more later. It's not, this is really not the Blame Jake Allen yeah. podcast. He will be little discussed other than just the kind of, the way the bagpipes have the drone sound that it's always making. We're always <laughs> going to be droning on about how Jake Allen's not the goaltender of the future for this team. But go on. That's Any other thoughts on are. this game? Um, no. <sighs> I really thought this was going to be a win. Something in me was like, well, they got to win this one, right? And, I mean, the Ducks at the time were 3-1, and one, mm-hmm. which was a little surprising given the fact that half of their team is in the hospital. Um, I didn't even realize Ryan Kessler could play hockey anymore. They said his name, and I was like, surely he is not out there they rolled playing for the Ducks. They rolled his old hip, broken hips out on the ice. Yeah, holy cow. That dude's held together by, like, duct tape. Yep. It wasn't great. That's it. That's it all I got for okay. that one. Okay. Well, you're taking us through the next game. Oh, so. everyone knows the most recent game. But we'll go through it anyways, because why not? Let's just relive the suffering <laughs> that was the game I completely watched. I was like, I'm setting time aside for this game. I want to watch the Blues We're win. I'm so stupid. Oh, so dumb. Yes. Um, first period. We can start right off the bat, folks. Montreal's Max Domi <laughs> scores. the Canadians yeah, did. <laughs> 39 seconds in, assisted by Lekkonen and Riley. Bomeister pinched it on the left, and you know what? It was a good pinch. I think that's the right read there. But Lekkonen's able to get it to Domi immediately, and it's a two-on-one. I think if he just gets a stick on there, he reads the pinch a little faster. Maybe it doesn't happen, but it's two-on-one. I don't even know who the other... Bo Meester's not so much with the reading fast. No. Well, that's the thing. If he was in his prime, I think he catches him. Oh, I think he turns sure. around and catches him, but no, he was not even in frame. In fact, Tarasenko was like all over Domi from, from the behind, but uh, I don't think he wanted to take a penalty because it looked like he was trying to get the puck, but he really didn't want to be start... Caught, you know, reaching around. You know, we'll use a couple of these right Phrasing. now. Phrasing. Yeah, we'll use a couple of these. Um, it was two on one. I don't even know who the other two was there, but Petrangelo was the one. He took the pass away. Max Domi scored on Jake Allen with a backhand. Mike Riley who got an assist on this somehow? I guess. Maybe. Sure. Why not? Make it him. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a backhand. Backhands are hard to read. Uh, and I'm going to leave it there. Backhands are hard to read. The goal was scored. Backhands, much like books. Are <laughs> to read. Some people aren't so smart. Um, first period, Blues looked real bad. I believe we ended with three shots oh, in the period. Yes, yeah, so bad. I'm going to say it was probably like our worst first period from what can I we, saw. Can, we, can I pause here sure. for a minute? Why not? It's a road trip. You've had... Road trip. You've had, what, how many days off, three days off ahead of this to think about it? I think it was Sunday to Wednesday. Well, so two, two full days off. How can you be that bad in the first period? How? You slept in. Against a craft team. Do you, oh my God. They were three and one. You just reminded me of the Columbus Day excuse. Never the Columbus Day excuse. (laughs) Look, I, yeah, I know that the Canadians are overperforming. Ooh, they're fast and young. But how? Like, how are you not ready? How? I don't. I. I 
don't a trend. understand this team. It's a trend. And somebody out there is thinking Alex Petrangelo didn't prepare them for this game. And we'll get to you. <laughs> Go on. Talk about Braden Shen and Jaden Schwartz running into each other. Oh, that was fun. <laughs> What period was that in? I don't second, know. Oh, second period. Well, I got more on the first. Because okay. at one point, Charles I'm Houdon. Sorry to interrupt. Who? Charles Houdon. Uh, <laughs> and I will not say his name again. Guys, it's it's just Hudden. Not Hudden. here. No, not here it is not. Charles Houdon. <laughs> um, he hemmed in three Blues players in the defensive zone, all on his own. Were any of them Chris Butler? I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> Chris Butler was able to sit this game out. Well, much to his chagrin, I'm sure. Um, yeah. So here's a little trend I saw. We can talk about it now. Blues players look slow. They are slow for the most part. The ones that the ones that aren't young are slow. What but, happened to that speed movement oh, that yeah. was supposed to accompany? Oh, it's gone. <laughs> that went right out the window. They look slow, but they are also actually slow because they aren't moving on the ice. Uh-huh. I watched one Charles Houdon hemmed three Blues players in. Whoever, Charles Houdon, who, by the way, is like, what, a, like a third, second-line player for a bad team? Yeah, he's... He's not a star. Fine. Yeah. He's just a player. We couldn't get out of our zone because the other two forwards, and eventually the third forward, I think it was Steen that made it out of there, like, were not, first of all, they were not in frame. Not a one of them was in frame of the TV. Great. Helping these so two defensemen happy. out. They were gone. And then when they cut to him, when mm. they passed to him, none of these guys were moving. Mm. They were at a standstill. It is unbelievable to me. And it reminds me of when I was like 10 years old watching football and I was like a young football fan. It's like the plays run out, they ran their route, no one's open. And then sometimes the wide receivers just stand there because they don't know what else to do. And it's like, you have to move because they're not going to pass it to you. The safety is right in front of you. Yeah. And it's like, if you want to get past two at the blue line, you're going to have to come back a little or do anything because they're set up defensively. See, offensive zone breakouts do have a play to them. There's a structure to them. But I always think, and they've been, I've heard coaches say this, Offensively, there's less of a plan. It's kind of you're letting the players play. The breakout's a plan, but once you get in the offensive zone, a little different. For the most part, yeah. If you have an offensive play, it's off a face-off. Exactly. You're not just skating in, like, get in your position to make this play. But a team without the puck has a like a form they're putting on the ice. They have a position they're supposed to be in in the neutral zone as the other team enters their defensive zone. And our the whole form thing. is amorphous block. <laughs> yeah, our form, <laughs> not so much. But the other teams seem to have one. And if we're not moving a lot, it seems like they can just counter that by finding our finding their guy, put you know, picking up a zone. It looks like other teams are playing a trap against us. They are not. We are playing awful we are out playing of our own zone. In a trap. Yeah, it's terrible. Anyways, that, I'm pretty sure that's why Charles Udon could like sit on three of our guys because they were all like, "Who am I supposed to pass to anyway? This guy? He's the only <laughs> one moving on the fucking ice, and he's the opponent." <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, that was the first period. Great. Wait a second. The Montreal Canadiens logo is Charles Houdon's initials. <laughs> Conspiracy confirmed. Oh, boy. That's some fucking... Uh, that's some Masonic shit right there. <laughs> right? They're weird. Yeah. Um, second, right? Y'all are weird. 
<laughs> Second period, Blues power play goal. One of the only shining moments of this whole team these six games. We've insulted the Masons and the Mormons this podcast. Folks, this is the last episode of the <laughs> Two Guys No Cup podcast. Episode 60 ain't happening. Mm-hmm. Oh, we are so close. <laughs> you guys retroactively count the bonus episodes in our favor. Yeah, you please. Win? We're just trying to get to that 60, <laughs> that 60 SoundCloud bump. Oh, you yeah, baby. You heard? Uh, Blues power play goal done at uh, 3 minutes 21 seconds in the second period. Just a good setup at the blue line. I'm surprised no one tipped this in. I really thought this was a... Uh, going to end up being Maroon's first goal because he celebrated like it, and it almost looked like it would stick, but obviously not. I thought the Blues actually, again, had a pretty solid second period despite Montreal's power play goal later with Mike Riley. Uh, Shen kind of got danced at the blue line a little bit. He almost had Mike Riley out of the zone, but uh, he scored when he had a lot of open ice after Shen pretty much had vacated the area in front of him. Second period, again, pretty decent. I thought it was all right, despite the uh, Schwartz-Shen uh, running into with each other uh, they looked decent which means great for the blues third period i thought the blues looked even better in the third period the blues power play goal pretty late into the third period with about just under four minutes left to go shen's third of the season assisted by steen again power play they were collapsing steen was to the right of price just below the goal line passed out to shen between price and the defenseman and shen slammed it home with a one-timer really good play mm. i think shen has actually looked pretty good. He's looked, I mean, aside from Perron, he seems to be our most productive forward, at least. I forget how many points that is. That's six points in six games? Seven six points? points? Yeah. In six games. So, I mean, I think he's doing fine. One of the few players I do think that's doing fine, generally. Um, but then. Let me ask a question before since we, we're on it. Before we get to the terror. Okay. Yeah. How many. Different forwards, do you think, have scored goals for this team? Mm. What a good question. Forwards. Forwards. Just to, just to reiterate. I really want, I'm really going to, I'm trying to get this, so let me think about this. Um, all right. I could literally just talk. Tarasenko scored one. Or scored two. Oh, yes. Um, O'Reilly hasn't yet, as far mm-hmm. as I remember. Schwartz hasn't yet, as far as I remember. So Shen has, Perron has. Um, Bozak has now. Bozak Horseman. Thomas and Kairu haven't. Who's the fourth? Oh yes, okay. Is there? Okay, I've got four. How many are? How many are there? You forgot only. Alexander Steen. Oh, okay. Five forwards in six games have scored goals. That excludes Ryan O'Reilly, Pat Maroon, obviously Ivan Barbashev and Jordan Kyrie and Robert Thomas, but I'm not going to hold those guys too accountable, and Jaden Schwartz, uh, and Zach Sanford and Sammy Boy. But, (laughs) yeah, I mean. What about Chris Thornburn? What about? I was going to say, we don't have to talk about him. Alex Petrangelo, how many points do you think he has on the season? Ooh, two. Zero. Oh no! What do you think his plus minus is? Which, for the record, I hate plus minus. But what would you what would you guess? Uh, minus five. Minus six. Ooh. Not great. <laughs> Not so good. That's all. I'm sorry for the interlude, but... He wasn't out there hey, for the least, final goal. At least Bozak's winning 55% of face-offs, and O'Reilly's winning almost 66. Wow. And Jaden Schwartz won 
75%. When we can get the other 90% of our, like, the rest of what hockey is to work for this team, we are going to be on fire. En fuego. Exactly. Exactly. We got all the face-offs. Last year we had no face-offs and mostly everything else. This year we have nothing else (laughs) but all the face-offs. I want to take his face off. (laughs) Put it on my face. Come on. Take us to the suffering. Mm. Talk us through the darkness. So, not that band that did. I believe in a thing called love. It's a deep cut. Just listen to the rhythm of your heart. Okay, <laughs> please continue. <laughs> With eleven seconds left, a goal was scored by Brendan <laughs> so Gallagher. Shall we go on? Shall we move on? Brendan Gallagher scored this goal. Smashing a watermelon with a hammer in yeah. the process. He knocked the puck, tipped the puck over Jake Allen, who didn't know where the puck was. It shouldn't It shouldn't have been there in the first place. But Colton Pareko. He sure didn't know where it was. He didn't know where it was. Which feels like a goaltender's responsibility. It's not Jake Allen's fault. But he also didn't save <laughs> the puck. And that's the line you walk as a goaltender. Yeah. Ten-year-old me would say that was a poopy goal. I think ten-year-old me had better words than that, but we'll just say it was a poopy goal. Pareko tried to pass it across the ice, across the goal line, to Edmondson. It got picked off by Tatar, who, you know, flipped it up basically to Gallagher. It was pretty much bang, 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 with none of it being intentional at all. It was just sticks or pucks deflecting off sticks, and it just kind of bounced around and then. Unless you believe NHL.com's version of it, oh, yeah. in which case it was Brendan Gallagher magically stealing the show and the game from the St. Louis Blues. So there's no reason to make that pass generally Ever. at all Ever. without any players there. Ever. But, but there were two there, and it was like right at the goal Here's line. Here's the thing. I'm surprised they didn't just hit Allen when he passed it. Cro- cross-crease passes are bad. But it wasn't a cross-crease pass. Joel Edmondson was in the crease. Mm-hmm. He was right in front of Jake Allen. He wasn't far to Jake Allen's left. Because in that event, you can say, well, there's nobody on the ice. You've got 11 seconds to kill. Somebody's coming for Pareko. This is an outlet feed. Still not a great call. I'd rather you dump it behind you, but fine. But Joel Edmondson was in the crease. It was bad. It was so, so bad. I don't know how to, like, we can't even linger on it because whatever, like, in the long run, like, we were going to lose. We just found <laughs> this way to lose. Yeah. It's just like last year. That's what we said last season. They just find new ways to lose. Seems like a trend. Mike Yo. <laughs> lose, lose, 3-2. Let's do, do it. Do you have anything else to no, say? No, let's do it. Uh, Mike Yo has always had a total inability to stop his team when they are just bottoming out entirely. Oh, yeah. Since his days in Minnesota, he was notorious for having a period in the middle of the year where they were just mm-hmm. dog shit. I watched that team the lose the terrible Buffalo year. Sabres teams. The whole, or not the whole year, but for like, what, a month? Like two, yeah, three from weeks? Yeah, middle of they December just to would January. Not win. They go on eight, nine-game losing streaks every year. Every year. It like clockwork. And Mike Yo couldn't fix that. I'm sure some Minnesota Wild fans blamed Miko Koivu. 
<laughs> but it was not his fault. It was Mike Yo's fault. It was everyone's fault. It's not just Mike Yo's fault. Mm-hmm. I get that. But when there's a trend, there's a trend. We are going to lose on Saturday. We are going to lose. Is it Monday we play after that? Mm-hmm. We will be 1, 5, and 2 by the time we record the next podcast. It's a guarantee. There isn't a snowflake chance in the mouth of a magma beast (laughs) (laughs) that we beat the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. There's not. And if we do, it will not be our doing. It will be something weird. Something weird's going to happen if that happens. (laughs) Some weird, like Jake Allen, like just... Minnesota Wild Jake uh-huh. Allen emerges for a game, and then we will get reefed by the Winnipeg Jets. <laughs> there is no way that two games from now we are happy. So with that in <laughs> mind, let's break down this team a little bit, shall we? How do you want to start? Do you want to start with Barrett Jackman? I mean, the anonymous <laughs> NHL defenseman that talked about this team to Jer- Jared Goff? He talked <laughs> about this team to Los Angeles Rams quarterback Jared Garf. No, he Garf. talked about this team to Jeremy Rutherford of <laughs> the Athletic. Would you like to start there? Here are some stats Jeremy Rutherford pointed out before interviewing, quote, an anonymous ex-NHL defenseman who we're pretty confident was Baron Jackman. Jax, Jax, Jax. So if we call him Baron Jackman, know that it's partially tongue-in-cheek, but not really. Uh, we've allowed the eighth most high danger scoring chances in the NHL, and we've allowed the most goals on high danger scoring chances in the league. Um, (laughs) we had an average of 3.37 high danger goals per game. Not great. I think that was sixth worst in the league. Jake Allen and Chad Johnson... Combined. So just Jake Allen, really. What that was that was like a that was like an olive branch <laughs> that he extended to Chad Johnson. Jake Allen and Chad Johnson have a combined save percentage of seven five nine against high ah, danger chances. Now let me clarify that again, if a high danger chance has already occurred, that's not the goalie's fault. However, seven five nine is the worst mark in the league. So all the other goalies in the league are better at stopping the high danger chances that they didn't create mm-hmm. than is Jake Allen and also Chad Johnson. That Asterisk point. Chad Johnson. That's not a great start, but let's keep going. It gets worse. <laughs> uh, let's quote Mr. Jackman. I mean, anonymous. You give it to him, Barrett. Uh, Jeremy Rutherford quotes him as saying, the Blues play a version of man-to-man in their defensive zone, and secondly, they're employing a 2-3 scheme in the neutral zone, both of which have created a ton of chaos in coverage. According to Jackman, again, (laughs) anonymous, (laughs) allegedly, (laughs) It's a huge difference. When Mike Yo went to St. Louis, he was saying, we're going to clog up the middle. 
In the D zone, if they want to skate around, maybe it's Larry Robinson. He's an ex-NHL GM defenseman. Is he still with the team? He is. Okay. Uh, Why? This is his second season, though, right? Second or third, maybe? I think second. Okay. In any case, because we talked about him on the podcast. I don't know. In any case, in the D zone, if they want to skate around and rip around 100 miles per hour, well, when they come to the net, they're going to have to come through five bodies in the goalie, and that's how they beat Minnesota in the playoffs. Yeah, Jake was sensational, but Jake had a ton of one-and-dones, on, one not multiple whacks at it, and it's because they clogged the middle. That's the easiest way for guys to collapse into a swarm defense, which basically suffocates the offense. What's obvious to me now is that the Blues have gone back to a man-on-man defensive zone strategy, and that's extinct. When the rules changed in 2004-2005, nobody went back to man-on-man because you couldn't hook and hold your guy anymore. So everything turned into what I call a bump-and-run, where mm. you can make contact, but you've got to stay within your zone. The Blues have defensemen now that are chasing players up to the blue line and centermen and wingers that are chasing their players back down below the goal line. The version that they're playing right now is almost like attack at all costs. Not a good defensive style. What are your thoughts? Not a good defensive style, especially when your team lacks urgency. If you're trying to attack at all costs. Oh, boy, do they lack urgency. And you ain't attacking at all costs. It doesn't seem to work. So much urgency that they lack. Oh, so much. They don't have any. It's gone. The can (laughs) is empty. Maybe they use it all. Maybe they never had it in the first place. (laughs) If so, they forgot to refill it in the offseason. It's interesting. I never really... I can't say... When I watch hockey, I'm trying to kind of watch the play develop. Like, I'm trying to think ahead, be a Wayne Gretzky, if you will, and be like, all right, what do I think this player needs to do with the puck? And sometimes what they need to do isn't even readily available to them. Mm -hmm. So I'm not necessarily looking at, like, defensive schemes or who without the puck is covering this guy or that guy necessarily. But I do remember watching the Patrick Kangle in the first game the Blues play the Blackhawks, and he skated around the ice a little bit, and Vince Dunn was his man, or Vince Dunn's man was Patrick Kane, and Vince Dunn chased him out, and you can see for a split second that Vladimir Tarasenko is way closer to Patrick Kane, who's about to shoot the puck, than Vince Dunn is. This is when it would be great to be in a zone defense, and Vladimir Tarasenko almost takes him, but then you can see that he's remembering, oh, man, oh, man, not my guy. Vince Dunn is now the furthest Blues player from Jake Allen, as you want a defenseman to be, and is nowhere close to blocking the shot that Patrick Kane shoots because he's way behind him. Granted, because Patrick Kane's a fast-ass player, yeah, and he scores. And I remember thinking, that seems odd. Why is Vince Dunn so goddamn far away from Jake <laughs> Allen? Like, why is this happening? Let me, let me interrupt for a second. I'm sure everyone knows, but just in case you don't, zone and man-to-man are exactly what their names imply in a man-to-man scheme, and this is in... Hockey, football, soccer, I assume. Cricket. Cricket. (laughs) We were both going there. In a man-to-man defensive style, you you were assigned a man to cover. And if that's just your job. You know, if you're a cornerback in football, you cover the same player no matter what. In a zone scheme, you are assigned an area of the surface to play. And when someone moves into your area, you cover that person. And when someone exits your area and enters someone else's area, they cover that person. So, like you said on that shot, Tarasenko should take over 
mm-hmm. and cover done. He's the closer but guy. Tarasenko is being told, and this is this to me is the queerest example of Mike Yo being a bad coach because this has to be coaching. Mm-hmm. Tarasenko is has to be overriding his own st- instincts, which has to be to make a play on that guy because he's got to go cover whoever else, Taves or whoever's on mm-hmm. the ice. Then, so. Yeah, you just let people skate by you in a man-to-man. And in a in hockey where the speed is so intense, our def- our our team is not equipped to skate man-to-man. Mm-hmm. Even oh, if any even team was equipped, our team certainly isn't. And Mike Yo is going to out or Mike Yo, excuse me. Patrick Kane is going to outskate anyone who's on the ice unless Jordan Cairo is still is out there. And Jordan Cairo isn't yet going to have the skill probably mm-hmm. to outfox Patrick Kane's agility and and technique and everything. So it's just not it's not a smart system to play. Yeah. And there's a Yo quote too where he says something about I think teams are figuring us out and we need to, you know, try and change that and everything. And it's like, yeah, they figured out that if you're Patrick Kane or a skill player, you only have to beat one person. You don't have to beat a whole team. You just got to beat your guy. And sometimes that guy is Sammy Blay, and sorry, Sammy, you're just not the guy that's going to be defending one of these guys super that hard. That shouldn't be his job. Exactly. You know, I mean, that in a zone, he's defending a space, and that's a lot easier than defending a man. You're always going to be chasing, especially because, like Barrett Jackman said, mm-hmm. there's no clutching and grabbing anymore. There's no being able to hook guys, you know, to no end and being not called for it. Because then you can slow a guy down. Then while you're chasing, you can get him closer to you. But now, because you can't do that, you are always behind this guy. If this yeah. guy makes a move in front of you and beats you, you are behind this guy. Right. If they're moving through the neutral zone fast, you are behind this guy. There's, you're just always getting beat. It's just and a lesson in getting beat. how many goals have we seen this year where we're behind the guy? Yeah, it's all over the place. And and then and then on top of that, how many goals have we seen where a guy's right next to somebody and not boxing them out, which is the result of one of two things. Either they're playing man to man and they're playing it poorly, mm-hmm. or they're <laughs> playing man to man and like you said on the du- on the cane goal, the guy that we see as the closest person isn't assigned to that player. So maybe in the first game when we had the uh, the couple of goals, the first Blackhawk game, where the couple of goals Taves scored mm-hmm. that Petrangelo didn't box him out on at all. Maybe Petrangelo's assignment was Kane or whoever else was on the ice, and he didn't, he wasn't focused on Taves, and so Taves just skated into the space. It's just a very, you have to have, you know, even in football or whatever sport you're playing, you have to have incredible skill, and just athleticism to play man-to-man well how do you track those people and if you do i mean if you have that then it's very effective Mm -hmm. because you can just overpower the other people but you don't you don't yeah we clearly don't have hockey is fast enough that i yeah i can't fault these guys for losing somebody Mm -hmm. especially in just the hecticness of it pucks here pucks there it's bouncing off the boards where's my guy i don't know seems seems very silly i will admit i do think it's a little funny that I'm sure some smarter hockey fans have observed, observed this way before uh, we ever did or read this article. But I do like going on the Blues, Blues subreddit and seeing this is now the buzzword. People are like, I'm so sick of this man-to-man. And I'm like, okay, look, we all read the same article. Let's not pretend that we're all crazy smarter. And like, you know, I've been seeing this since the get-go. Yeah. It's just, 
But but given that, with you know, with that said, I think now it seems very evident. I I saw it. When did this come out? This came out before yesterday's game. The article, yeah. I saw it all day yesterday. Yeah. I mean, it was just in the front of my head, and I was like, "Wow, this is kind of jarring. This is a little baffling. This is no wonder, like you said, this team's not built for speed. We have some young guys that have some speed, but again, that's like three players, maybe." Mm-hmm. Four players, if you include Dunn, just because he's young, and I just assume then he's fast. It's it's not our game. I don't want us to necessarily go back to like a heavy, hard hitting Bacchus Brower era style. But like, there's a way there's a way to play fast without being fast. And I think that's like I think you that's the play, next best step for this team. You can play quick without playing fast. Yeah, I think is my kind of. You, yeah, it's decision making. You don't need to be fast if you're always where the guy's going to be, mm-hmm. and I think that's what zone enables you to do. I one of the things we noticed in Traverse City, this is kind of a departure, but when we were out there, it's something Garrett actually pointed out to me, is that like a lot of the players seem to know the play that they should make, but the other players didn't know to be there. to be on the receiving end. Mm-hmm. So like somebody would make a drop pass. And it would have been great if, you know, if Bach was drop passing to Thomas or whoever, you know, yeah, just yeah. picking two names out of hat. If Bach was drop passing to Torovchenko, it would have been an amazing drop pass, except Torovchenko wasn't there. And, you know, and, and I think that kind of is like, we don't have enough chemistry yet for I'd man-to-man yeah. to, to really work. If z- zone is just so much simpler, just generally it's so much simpler overall and it's, I don't know, it's, it just seemed, I mean, that seems straightforward to me. And I'm not a coach. I'm not an NHL coach. Mike Yo, as much as we rag, rag on him and will continue, <laughs> I'm sure he knows more about hockey in a fourth of his brain than I know in the whole thing. Like, mm-hmm. he has to. He's an NHL coach. I get it. But, like, that just seems kind of obvious to me, especially when... You're just having all these breakdowns. Like, you know, if, if it wasn't obvious out of the gate, yeah, you would think it should be obvious by now. And by the way, if we're still, again, if we're still doing it on Saturday, we'll be eating a lot. I mean, we will be devouring yeah, that's a whole a by speed, the speed, speed, speed team. Casper Kapanen will score seven goals. They won't even need Isa Matthews. He can watch it from the press box. I mean, we will be eliminate (laughs) and i'm not i'm you know and i'm not even like as high on the like you know high on the tampa or toronto drama as a lot of the media and stuff are but they will just destroy us and so will the jets thereafter you know um where would you like to move to next you captain this okay. shit for a while. So we were talking Mike Yo. Because now we've just moved into the part of the podcast where it's a freewheeling discussion yeah. about our disappointments. <laughs> oh, and fantastic. Then we have a short game at the end, and then we Woo. go home. Hooray. Um, to pro- try and provide some joy to you, the listener. Mike Yo. We're talking about Mike Yo. We're talking about young players and speed. So, Stephen. <laughs> Why would you bench? For a, for a second, I was like, who is this Steven? Who, who is that? Steven, why would you bench Robert Thomas? Well, let's see. Mike Yo said it's because... I, I can tell you why yeah. he benched Robert Mike Thomas. Mike Yo said it was, it was a confidence issue. It, Robert Thomas wasn't playing very confidently. So he said, 
well, how about you don't play then and put them in the press box? I'll I'll give you this. To build confidence. Yeah. So, I understand that they want Robert Thomas to play with a little more, uh, I don't know, we'll call it heart, but that's I guess that's not the right term, a little more direction, a little more purpose. Confidence. Yeah, confidence. Urgency. Well, just like urgency. Oh, God, there's so words, many words. One of the words that branches off urgency, confidence. <laughs> <laughs> Got to play with more of that. And I understand that, and I and I would agree. I think he's looked fine. He hasn't looked amazing. He's looked fine, and that and for a, what a nineteen year old player, that's I'd say that's pretty good, generally speaking. I wouldn't bench him though for that. I would, in fact, I don't know, give him slightly more ice time. I'm not asking for first line. I'm not even asking for second line. Shit, I'm not asking for third line. I'm saying give the fourth line a little more time. That's all. That's it. Crack has 10 minutes. The, has the third line done so much this season that they deserve 16 minutes of ice time to the fourth line's eight? Or that you can't even break them up? Oh, God forbid you break up that stellar oh, God third line. Forbid. God forbid you throw Robert Thomas with Steen and whoever for a time. Yeah. I, I'm not even trying to really pound the Robert Thomas drum. I'm just trying to pound the don't destroy our youth here's drum. The, here's the problem, though. You either trust Robert Thomas or you don't. Exactly. Exactly. I d- I'm not saying you have to trust him blindly. But, you know, two consecutive young players have sniped this team pretty directly on their way to new teams about inconsistency and playing time and the like. And listen, Dimitri Askin had plenty of chances. We talked about that last time. Tage Thompson wasn't great last year when he got his chances. But there is an underlying point there. And here's the thing that's got to be frustrating if you're Robert Thomas. You're playing fine hockey. You're not playing confident enough, whatever that means. But I have, you know, listen, Robert Thomas hasn't looked like a dog out there at any point. He's never looked looked overwhelmed. He's never looked... Bad. The same goes for Vince Dunn. In his worst game, it was the whole team's worst game. It was the first game against the Blackhawks, which I think is the one he got benched after. We were all terrible. You know, the whole team was terrible. Petro looked terrible. When you're those guys, and then Mike Yo comes to you and says, you're sitting this next one out, boy. Boys, you know. Uh <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have a, a board in our room, our whiteboard, that just says, Out of here, boy! <laughs> because of Mr. Yankov, who was the oh high school gym teacher for the aforementioned Ken Reed on the Steve Dangle podcast. Look it up. Steve Dangle, Mr. Yankov, J-A-N-K-O-V. It's hilarious. And listen to this week's episode. Moving on. Robert Thomas has to hear those words. And I'm, he's, he's 19, but he's not stupid. He has to think to himself, you're benching me and you're playing Bo Meester 23 minutes a night. You're benching me and you're letting Alex Petrangelo skate 27 minutes a night when he's a minus six. He hasn't scored a point on the season. I've scored more points than Alex Petrangelo in my eight minutes of ice time from the fourth line. Mm-hmm. Infinitely more points. 
It's one more point, but it's infinite. It's it's a double standard. It's it's a double standard. It just mm-hmm. is a double standard. Jay Bomeister has no business playing on the first pairing. He he really has no business playing in the NHL at this point. I'm sorry. He was a phenomenal defender at one point. His defense was based largely on speed, and he's lost three steps, not just one step, three steps. You can't do it. You can't. It's not. It's nothing against him. I. It's his brain probably is still fine. I yeah. assume, but like <laughs> he can't physically do it. That happens to everybody. Jerry Rice could not be a dominant wide receiver in the NFL right now. And is Jay Bomeister such a giant defenseman, like a monolith of a defenseman, or like we can't approach Jay about playing less minutes? Well, plus, it's like is Jay Bomeister such an ass? Yeah, like, like just like dude, you're on the third, like you're on the third line because we just need you to play less. They'll keep you fresher. But I don't think he's offended. I don't think you should be offended. The sponsor should, should be, be offended. offended. <laughs> I don't. Not on a tangent, but kind of like the old boys club. Like, well, we go, got, go but just it. like, oh, well, it's an older player. You know, he's got a lot. He knows a lot. He's been, he's been through the ringer out there in the NHL. I'm like, I know. It's kind of like you said, I know. He knows. His brain knows. His body can't do it. That's the thing. It's not an insult. He's just, <laughs> and you're he's just, just old. Gone. You're just I'm, old. I'm, like, I'm sorry. There's no way to say that without sounding like an ass, but yeah. it, it just happens. It's going to happen to every one of these players. We'll all die. It will happen to Robert Thomas. (laughs) Some of us very soon. (laughs) It will happen to Robert Thomas in 20 years. But it's not happening now. And it just is a straight-up double standard. When Jay Bomeister looks terrible, Alex Petrangelo looks terrible. And yes, I know they've got a body of work, but there's no reason to believe Jay Bomeister's bouncing back. And yeah, with Petrangelo, I mean, Petrangelo is a, a red herring because you, what are you going to do? Play him last minutes and let everybody else pick up the slack? I don't think so. But like, <laughs> but like, Bowmeister is a, a perfect example because he's, he's not good enough anymore and he still gets 23 minutes of time on the ice. Mm-hmm. Robert Thomas gets eight and isn't trusted in any high leverage situation. Never deployed in the third period. Never deployed on the power play. Never deployed on the penalty kill. It's just... I don't... He. This is the problem. He, because of a stupid technicality, he either plays for us or he plays in the CHL this year. He dominated the CHL two years running. There's nothing left for him there. And consistent playing time in the CHL isn't better than even quasi-consistent playing time (laughs) in the NHL. But you have to commit. You have to commit. And I'm sorry, I know we've got a great roster and it's deep, but if that means occasionally scratching Pat Maroon, Tyler Bozak, I don't know, whoever, Alex Steen, Mm -hmm. This is the future of your team. If he's not, fine, but find that out f- for reals. Yeah. Instead of just saying he's been unconfident in his first five games and he needs a benching. Which, and that's the thing that, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I thought I was winding <laughs> down. But that's the thing that drives me crazy is how are you building his confidence? If you want to say he looks like crap and needs to sit and think about it, fine. Say that. It's not true, but say it. But how are you building his confidence by benching him? That is such backwards logic to me. 
I don't like, yeah, I don't like that because then people will go, well, they're trying to protect him. And I'm like, but then don't have him there. If you, you need, don't... if he needs a bunch of protecting, they don't have him there. I don't expect him to be this big NHL contributor. And I understand the argument of like, look, you can't just throw your young guys out there for like 19 minutes a game or whatever. They're going to get eaten alive. They've never played that much. I'm fine with that. But he's playing eight minutes a night. You can get him up to 10. You can get him up to 11, maybe even 12. You like, can have him center a power play for 30 seconds. Yes. Get some. You, you can do that. And especially, honestly, when this team just sucks this bad. Like, why not give it a try? Seriously? Oh, because we. Because we really needed that one point. We needed this game. No, we need any game. We need any win. And so just try it. And here's the other thing. Here's the thing. Here's the the elephant or the gorilla, whichever one. I don't know. They're basically mm. the same analogy, but they're not. And they're I don't not really the get same the animal. <laughs> they aren't. They're the same species. Or not species. They're the same. They're both mammals. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. Here's the thing. <laughs> What's going to happen if Robert Tom, if if excuse me, if Ryan O'Reilly gets hurt, Robert Thomas is gonna have to play fifteen minutes a game real freaking quick. Yeah. Oh no, they're gonna call somebody else up. Is gonna play. More. We don't have anybody else. They're gonna call. Uh, we can talk about center depth all day, but Zach Sanford played center last night, and he's not a freaking center. <laughs> Ivan Barbashev, I guess. I guess you can have him be your third line center. Enjoy that. Enjoy being this uh. year's Ivan Barbashev. <laughs> that was a literal thing that our GM said to Vince Dunn. Do not be this year's Ivan Barbashev. <laughs> that was a thing that happened. <laughs> and now in this hypothetical world that's entirely in my own mind, that's who's going to be your first line center when Ryan O'Reilly gets hurt. Was last year's Ivan Barbashev. <laughs> no, it was this year's Ivan Barbashev. Oh, it's so stupid. Go on. Go on. Okay. I think, and they have to, just looking at paper, this team has to turn around one way or another. Firing Yo, different system, getting these people's faces. I don't know. I don't think a trade's needed at this point, but sure, why not a trade? I think they can do it, but here's how my like mathematical brain works you can have a couple of bad stretches in a season a certain amount i don't know the number we can do the math on like how many losses gets you to a certain points to get in the playoffs but you can have a couple bad stretches and that's fine and this is one of them for the season but we have started that way this takes away a bad stretch we can have later if that makes sense we have to now after this be good really good for a while it can't just be a couple you know, wins. It's got to be a lot of wins. You know how last year we were clawing, we were still eligible for a playoff spot in the last game of the season based entirely off our October performance? Mm-hmm. This is going to be the opposite of that. <laughs> you said the word trade. I've been bouncing this idea around in my head. Ooh. Fun. It's it's a hot take and people are gonna hate it. I ju- I just want to know your opinion and we haven't discussed Ooh, is it. Is it at scorching? All. We've talked about whether or not this team should trade Colton Pareko for William Nylander. Uh huh. Would you trade? Ooh, Vladimir Tarasenko. Oh, the scorching Nylander. <laughs> what? Would, I'm just asking. You can say no. Sorry, that's my reaction. That's my unfiltered reaction. I'm just curious, because here's the thing. I don't want it. I don't want it. I love Tarasenko. Ooh, but you love 
but destruction. <laughs> right now, I mean, that's probably. I'm not thinking clearly, but like, right now, I'm just like burn it all down. Whatever, I don't care. <laughs> William Nylander's gotten sixty points a year. Tarasenko's gotten slightly more than that, but I don't know. I wouldn't probably do it. I'm just curious what you think. Nah, I wouldn't do that, but I'm trying to think. What I want, about, like, William Nylander and something? And, and you know, a sports car um, of my choice. <laughs> a PT Cruiser. Like, is there a crazy... Like, what, what What's trade my crazy? do you make on this team to just, like... Oh, Make them go, oh, shit. Where's the Eric Johnson trade for this team? You love that trade? Huh? I said you love that trade? I just love that trade for the perspective you're like, of say, you what? wake up one morning and you're like, oh, the whole team's different. Like, our identity was this first overall pick and now he's gone. I'm, my mind's always stuck on Pareko because I would say Petrangelo, but I just think that whatever the return is, it better be your most amazing forward because you gotta you have to outscore the other team because <laughs> ha- we'll be honest, half of what your defense is is gone. And I mean, I know our defense right now is poop, but like half of the poop is gone. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, we still need some of the poop. <laughs> you get it? We're talking about poop. Um, oh boy. I don't know, yeah. I guess I would think defensemen, we kind of need them, and we traded a lot of people. That's my problem. So, like, kind of like Ottawa's problem. They're bad, but hey, at least they'll get their the first overall pick. Oh, no, they won't. And so mm-hmm. then it's just this weird abyss of, like, wait, so, like, what? What's the deal? Like, how do we get better? And it's like, oh, you don't. And you go, oh, and that's it. Like that's where that's kind of how I feel with this team. Like, oh, do we make a trade? Like, no, you can't really. Like, who are you gonna trade? And like, okay. And it's like, well, we just made a bunch of trades too. And like, we can get rid of the coach. And like, yeah, but is that gonna save your season? It very well could, but it's like I don't know. And so when they're like, well, we can't fire him yet. So then I just sit here and go, oh, well, like, are we gonna get better? And they're like, no, you don't. <laughs> and so it's like you're just you're just stuck. You're just you go, oh. That's, that's the thing with this team, and it feels like the same thing last year. I, I think I believe in this team more just because it's not a it's not a Brodziak second-line team. But Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I believe just... Maybe Kyle Brodziak, though. Maybe he was the linchpin. Oh, boy. I look at this team and just on paper, I'm like, they can't be that team. They're not that team. But I don't see what's going to make this team change. I see... Yo, say we gotta make you know, gotta make changes. We gotta get these guys hungry I, and stuff. And I believe if they try harder, I will say this: we were harping on Mike Yo. This team looks like they don't give two shits. Honestly, most of them do. Ryan O'Reilly looks pretty good. Jordan Kyra looks like he's trying out there. You get stops and starts with a few other guys, but generally they I just s- look like they're in delays. I saw somebody tweet at Luke Korak. I sent this to you last night. Luke and the guy said something about Pareko showed no emotion after letting that goal, and Korak's defense to that was what's he supposed to do break a stick over his forehead which was a weird mm-hmm. overreaction and i usually am not the guy of like you have to manufacture emotion but do you guys care at all you you shouldn't have to manufacture emotion for that mm. you had a game wrapped up for overtime and you handed it away on a bullshit play it was terrible 
do you care at all? Because I was cackling. That's how, <laughs> that's my emotional response. I was cackling the way that the Joker cackles when he last looks at a burning hospital. It was just destruction, which was all I get to root for at this point because the team refuses to be decent. And that <laughs> was cackling bookended the game because it was destruction in the first 30 seconds and it was destruction in the last 30 seconds. And in the middle was a whole bunch of crap and who really cares. I do think that a coaching change just has to happen. That's where you got to start. I don't care. It's the That's only where listen, you start. Let's talk about this because this is a thing I wanted to talk about. <laughs> the people okay. out there who are hard on the captain change bandwagon oh, yeah. need to stop talking. Get your brain checked. The captain, you said this earlier in the week, so excuse me for just quoting you, but at least I didn't oh, steal you. it outright. The <laughs> captain takes ceremonial face-offs and talks to the ref, and that's it. <laughs> they should be the leader in the locker room, but they don't have to be. Do you think Miko Koivu is the leader of the Minnesota Wild locker room with uh, Zach Parise and Ryan Suter in there? Do you think, I'm trying to think of other examples like that. <laughs> Let me think of one right now, did you think Dustin Brown led the Kings to a Stanley Cup victory? Do you think it was Dustin Brown's brilliant leadership and motivation? Do you think the Toronto Maple Leafs, whose last captain was Dion Phaneuf, who left that city when it was a flaming garbage heap two and a half years ago, do you think they're doing all right without a captain? Do you think they've made it so far? Do you think they've carried through and yeah i know somebody out there is gonna say well see they're waiting to see who the right captain should be rather than just rushing to a point one no they're not they're too stupid to appoint austin matthews <laughs> who's the obvious and only choice because he's american that's the reality of it he's american and he's not signed long term yet that's the reality i guarantee if he signs an eight-year contract they'll Staple the C to the contract when he signs it. There's no question. So you don't have to have the C on your shirt to be the leader of a team. And the people out there, and this is what baffles me the most, and I'm sorry I'm just losing all grips <laughs> with reality, but the people out there gone. who honestly seem to believe that a captain change will have more impact on the team than a coaching change baffle me to no end. That makes no sense to me at all. And the final question I would ask is, Alex Petrangelo, we can revision history, revisionist history all we want and say, well, it could have been Steen, it could have been Tarasenko. Alex Petrangelo was the only choice for captain at the time. There was no question. I mean, we discussed it a little bit, mm -hmm. but it was always going to be Alex Petrangelo. He's your young centerpiece defenseman who plays 25-plus minutes a night, and that guy's always the captain unless you have a Sidney Crosby or whoever. Mm -hmm. That guy is always the captain. Drew Doughty's the captain. Eric Carlson was the captain, etc., etc. Victor Hedman is not the captain, I guess, but they have Steven Stamkos, so there, there you, you go. go. <laughs> Point proven. It's just... I don't get it. I don't. But if we had David Backus, it'd be different. <sighs> Why? You know, I was coming down. You were coming down. I thought that's what you were gonna I say. I was coming down. 
let us not forget, and maybe it was just me and Steven, but I'm sure it wasn't. David Backus was a fine player. I like him. He's a great blues, you know, player. Did not do jack shit for this team as far as being a captain. And that's nothing against him either. Again, David Backus's idea of being a captain was finding the youngest player on the opposing <laughs> team and charging him. And look, we all got super, super, super excited when he did that. We were all so happy to see some violence on the ice, and then we would lose. Or we were already losing. Look, captaincy just doesn't matter. They lead in the locker room. The team knows who they're listening to. I get people say that there was that rift reported last year between like Steen and Petrangelo and different personalities. Um, I don't know. Then they can solve it. I Like I said, I actually really believe most of the time that the locker room knows what they're doing or knows the people in that locker room way better than any of us do. We'll comment on coaching. We'll comment on these players having, you know, not having the drive or the will and yada yada to play this game. But I'm not going to comment on like who they think is the better leader because I have I have no fucking clue. <laughs> I have zero fucking clue what they even do in there. They show them the, like, putting clothes on and off. What's the evidence that Braden Shin should be the captain? He punched a guy once. Uh, That's yes. the evidence. That's literally what it is. I don't I don't understand. I'll give it, it. to you. They interview not Petrangelo a lot after losses. Yes, I will say if I will say one thing. About Petrangelo, he's not on camera for this team enough. I I get, I yeah, actually I agree, agree with, with that, that. and yeah. I think that's true of Tarasenko too. But Tarasenko has the language barrier to lean you, on, which is a crutch because he talks he talks English real good. You man. talk the English, but he, he speaks English fine. But like, yeah, it is weird that they had to go find Tyler Bozak after that Winnipeg loss rather than find Alex Petrangelo and say, "What the hell happened?" So yeah. I agree with that. But that's not, even that's not a thing. Mm -mm. And like, I don't. It's just, of all the things to focus on, all the things wrong with this team, and like front office to coaching to players, that's like literally the lowest. so far down. I just don't care. David Backus has zero points in six games this year, so he's matching our captain. I was going to say. He has 33 points in 57 games last year. He had 38 points in 74 games the year before that. And let's not forget, in his final year with the St. Louis Blues, he had just 45 points in 79 games, which was a full 13 points below his previous two seasons. He is a shell of himself. And if you honestly believe, I heard this guy on 101 this morning say that we should have shelled out a ton of money to him because at least he was a man. And that's the thing, which is just like, what century do you live in? Like, uh, where is that coming from? This, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. But if you honestly think, maybe that's the only guy in St. Louis that thinks that. But if you honestly think you wouldn't despise David Backus right now, on this team. If you feel that way about Alex Petrangelo and you think you wouldn't despise $33.5 million or Look whatever in the it mirror. is, David Backus, you are just $6 million for what, three more years now? Yeah. Nah, dude. You know, this team would be running that guy out on the second line. That guy would be getting tons of time for sure. You the J Bo Meester of the forwards. <laughs> I just don't like. I, do, I don't get people at all. 
why can't we admit that Jake Allen isn't good enough? Why can't we admit that Mike Yo isn't good enough? It doesn't have to be an a, 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 you know, an epithet against them. I'm not saying Jake Allen is a bad person. I'm not saying he couldn't be a capable backup goaltender. But when every time he's been asked to shoulder a load for the entire team, he has failed to do so. Except in the half season where Mike Yo was good and Jake Allen was good, which was admittedly just a year ago, you're 18 months ago, but God, does it feel so much longer. Played his own. Played his own back then. Uh, why is there a fight about these things? Because you would rather believe, I guess, that they're easy fixes? I mean, I guess that's the idea. Uh, I think... What, like, I, seriously, what do you think is the reason for that? I think, honestly, I think a big difference is... And, I'm, and it's not a right or wrong. I just think it's different viewpoints of things. I think you and I, or at least I can speak for myself, view... I really want this team to win, and I think I think all fans really want the team to win. But I'm not. I don't. It doesn't matter to me that we go on here and I go, look. I don't think Jake Allen's very good, or I don't think Mike Yo's a very good coach. Some people will take that more as like a personal attack, and they just don't like being negative towards people. And that's a personality trait, and that's totally fine. But I'm not like we've talked about before. It's nothing against them personally. I just want to see. Cha- I want to see change. I want to see this team win, and. For this team to win, there has to be some sort of change. Something has to happen. Whether or not nothing literally happens and they just gain more, whatever, urgency or whatever. But something has to happen. And some people just want to be more positive and they go, look, nothing, none of the negativity I would bring towards a player is going to change anything. So I don't feel the need to, which is totally cool. It's a different way of viewing things. It's a different way of approaching the team and a way of, I don't know, showing your fandom. And that's totally cool. I think there should be a little bit of rah-rah for your team and everything. But I think it's a little silly to try and sugarcoat and say, hey, you know, everything's totally fine. They'll figure it out. And that's cool because we as fans have, you know, zero effect on these guys as far as what we're saying so i think no 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 because don't you remember in the first game it was the bronx cheer that made jake allen let in the worst goal in the history of the nhl generally we have no effect on these people that was our fault i will say there are fans out there that are like super venomous a hundred percent and if that's true against i am with you I'm with you. There are people that just hate Jake Allen or just hate a certain player, like a ton, that I think would say, oh, if I saw him in the street, I'd give him a punch in the face and all that crap. You know, big keyboard bullies or whatever. Not that, but I'm just trying to, I'm, I don't know, pessimistic realism or whatever. I just don't see a reason to try and sugarcoat things and say that this team is something that it's not. It could be. It could turn, they could turn around and be better. But I just don't see a reason to, and so I think that's kind of where Jake Allen defenders slash attackers. I really don't like the defender attacking. Some people just think Jake Allen has it, and that there's no reason to be down on him. Some of us think he doesn't, and that there's it's a waste of time to hold on. I think that's what it is. We view things differently. Some people view it a little more as entertainment, which it is. But entertainment, like as long as they're doing well, and I'm just enjoying the team for what it is giving me, versus thinking about what they're not giving me. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, that's just my personality. I'm thinking about what they're not giving me. It's what have you done for me lately, and I just want to see this team do well. 
And so it's trying to attack a problem. That's a, I mean, that's a very good summation of things. I went all over the place. Thanks the, for listening. No, I really, I mean, it is. And I think, I think that's a, a good way of kind of summing up my whole thing. And I've, I've talked about it before, but Mike, you know, I look at the same way I look at Mike Matheny. And, you know, I know not everybody's baseball literate, but most of us are in this town. I was on the Fire Mike Matheny bandwagon way before a lot of people, and I was looked at as kind of a douche for it, and that's fine. I don't care. But my logic was just, look, it's clear to me that he's not good enough. So we can argue all day about whether he's okay or bad or really nice or tries hard. He's not good enough. So we're just wasting time until we inevitably fire him and move on to the next option. And so when you talk about being proactive, you know, instead of reactive, I think that's that's the difference. And I get it. I get the other side. Because it would be much pleasanter if everything just fell into place and we were fine against Toronto and we managed to win and then we looked strong against Winnipeg and lost in overtime and then we won our next three. That would be great. And we'd, we'd be so happy. Like, we're not vengeful. We're not angry. But that there's no reason to believe that's going to happen. And I guess we're just more pragmatic, more realistic. And those sound like words where I'm saying the other side is stupid and non-realistic. I'm not trying to say that mm-hmm. way. But we're just more... We are tend... We, you and I both, I think, tend to think about, let's look at the data we have. And try and draw conclusions from what that data shows us. And so far this season, the data indicates pretty strongly that all of the things Mike Yo was fired for mm-hmm. in Minnesota have not gone away. And that's enough time. I'm so, like, I know he's only had a year and a half here, but he had a year off to think about it, and then he had half a year as our backup coach to think about it. If he's struggling with the same things, he's always going to struggle with the same things. With Mike Matheny, just to draw that parallel a little further. If he struggled with the bullpen in his fourth year, he was just going to struggle with the bullpen forever. Mm. He could get incrementally better, but he's not just going to wake up and be good at that someday. And that's what I just, I feel that way with Yo now. Where it's just like, he's just this, that's just who he is, and it's fine, but why pretend? Mm. I did something I shouldn't have done. Uh-oh. I tweeted. He killed a man. While you were speaking. Oh, no. I tweeted, I'm curious if the Bruins ate half of his contract. Would you want to see David Backus back on this team for his leadership? And do you think that would make a significant impact? And we're very early, but with four votes in, 75% of people think, yes, he, they want him back, and it would make a significant impact. All, all opinions, and I'll say that now. And all opinions, opinions are valid. Opinions are valid, but man, is that wrong. <laughs> I'm like, no way. What? And then he's also stealing playing time for Robert Thomas. Oh no! Oh, now it's sixty forty. Somebody, Ooh. somebody heard us in our very live thanks, show. Thanks, live listener. Do we have more things to say? Um, have we ranted and raved, or are there more things to say? You're kind of trying to do a silver lining of what I was talking about. Oh, we're the like, thing about yo that I don't like real yeah. quick. Also, the line inconsistency. And this was a problem with Hitch, too. How are any of these guys supposed to build chemistry if they're not on different lines just from game to game, but throughout the night? They're never on the same line with the same people. That's because it wasn't working. 
Yeah, except <laughs> if back when we were the best team in hockey last October, we had the best line in hockey, and it was the same every night, and it was great. But far be it for me, you know, why would we ever throw them all out together just to see for funsies how things might go? It's Ryan O'Reilly has to play with Vladimir Tarasenko. It's a known fact. No, I want that peg to fit in that hole, but if one's square and the other one's round, it's not going to work. And maybe it will work, but, like, in the time being, you have to win. And that's the thing that I don't understand is, like, we have to win, so we've got to bench Robert Thomas. But, God, no, we can't. We can't put Steen Shin and Tarasenko back, or Schwartz Shin and Tarasenko back together because that's too radical. That just worked too well last year. So do you think if we lose to Toronto and Winnipeg... He's gone. He's gone. I do. I really... And I think... One five and two. One five and two. That's like when Davis Payne was fired, yeah. he was like six, seven, and one. Yeah. Which right now seems like Ooh, we can get to hot. six, seven, and one now. Oh baby. Uh Dave Tippett is a very close friend of Doug Armstrong. Okay. He's yeah. also involved with the Seattle group right now. So I don't know how official that is. I don't maybe there's you know, there's a possibility that he calls Dave and just says, Hey, we need a coach for the rest of this season. You can go do Seattle. You know, I don't know how that would work. Oh. We talked about Quinville last year. Yeah. That'd be great. Elaine Vigna is out there. He's fine, but I think he probably struggles with a lot of the same problems Yo and Hitchcock do. In the In the argument against firing Yo, I heard or I read people say, well, this is the same squad of players that has gotten like a couple coaches booted out. Um, no. No, it's not. Petrangelo, Steen. Tarasenko, I guess. Schwartz, sure. Ooh, we've shifted heavily towards no now. Okay, <laughs> very good. But uh, like, no, no, it's not. This is not like a giant core of people, the same people that booted Hitch out, that booted Davis Payne out or something. It's not. It's just not at all. So I'm not, I'm blaming the players for the play on the those ice. Those are the same but people, I'm, by the way, who would say we need David Backus back. So I'm all it's the yeah. same. I'm I'm sorry, but it's the same people. I'm all for defending, <laughs> like <laughs> yo, a little bit. On my mouth guard. I don't know <laughs> what I was trying to say. I was just looking at you chewing on that. Um, You're all for accountability with the players. Yeah, I'm like for accountability with the players, but it's it's a whole different group of people. And on top of that, like getting two coaches fired, especially when one's. Just, I mean, if it's not working, it's not working. I think that's what they have to admit. It's it's admitting to yourself, I thought this team was going to be better. It should be better. We have to make a change. Here's the Get, thing. You're not high on your own supply anymore. You're like, oh, something has to happen. One, five, and two. I'll, mm, I don't know. We're getting, we're getting awfully close. Not really, but kind of. We're getting awfully close to that Thanksgiving deadline. Not in a playoff spot by Thanksgiving, 75% chance or greater, you're not making the playoffs. You're getting close to that. Are we going to have enough points to be over that line? This division's too tough. We can't go two more weeks without making a change. I don't know what your change is. Maybe you cut Jay Bowmeister. I don't know. Maybe you trade for... Somebody. Like, I don't think, so we have... I would get us a defi- a, a meaningful defensive reinforcement yeah. right now if I could. In I October. I would like Dunn and Schmaltz yeah. to be the third pairing that plays up to be your play, your power play guys. 
I would like Pareko and Edmondson to be your second pairing, and I would like Petrangelo and a new partner. <laughs> Jake Gardner. I would like a new partner. No, <laughs> no, whoever it is. Jake, I, I mean, we'll talk about Jake Gardner in free agent yeah. time, and it's a possibility, and he's got plenty of flaws, too. But, like, you know, I, it's... But we've got three games sorry. left in yes. October. Yes. We have three games left. Really? That's what? it. Because we have a four-day break. We got that fun four-day break between uh, Winnipeg and Columbus. So it's Saturday... I, I think or maybe you're not. No, it. sorry. We've got Columbus, then after Columbus, four-day break into November. My bad. So we got three games after next Thursday, another four-day break. So they have to go over 500 in November. And you go, oh, easy. Is it? Is it easy? We do have four games. We have four games? I'm not trying to be a jerk, but after Columbus, we have Chicago, and then it's a four-game. Oh, okay. I knew we had to play Chicago again because God knows we got to get all those games early in the season. So you got four games, but you have to go 500 in November. And I've Let's already seen people, that. hold on, I've heard people say, that's doable. And I don't know if it is. Are you serious? This team you're looking at right now is going to turn mm-hmm. around like that Let's and t- get over 500? Let's mm. talk about that. We're just talking about going 500 in November or being 500 by the end of November. No, they have to go over 500 okay. in November so to get to 500. The Vegas Golden Knights here. Fine. They're struggling. Minnesota Wild here, fine. Carolina, they'll kick the crap out of us right now. They're looking good. San Jose Sharks will devour us right now. Minnesota comes back. Maybe you win three on that homestand. I think it's... I think it's a stretch. This is all with the way this team is playing. Yeah, obviously. I think it's a stretch when you have three maybes and two definite no's. (laughs) But maybe you win three, then you go to Chicago, go to Vegas, go to San Jose. That's three losses. Because Chicago's beaten us twice. So there's yeah. no reason to assume they won't beat us in their turf again. Los Angeles comes here. There's a loss. Go to Nashville. There's a loss. Host Nashville. There's a loss. <laughs> Host Winnipeg. There's a loss. Go to Detroit. There's your win. Go to Colorado. Who knows? It's a toss-up. And that's your month of November. It doesn't get easier in this division. We've played the garbage teams already, <laughs> and we're not winning. It's very bad. It's no good. I don't know what else to say. I think that's it. Do we have more things to say? Mm-hmm. We don't. Well, then I'm going to spring my surprise on you, which is something you dropped. <laughs> I got hockey cards. Oh, dope. Uh, they're crappy. So I hope someone stayed to listen till they're now. They're super jank, just to be clear. <laughs> I will get better ones. They're nice. I mean, they're nice enough. Right, I don't so, want to look at it. I don't so want to look at the, it. The, uh, we're just plagiarizing other Yeah, podcasts. we're just straight ripping a segment. They get the Tim Hortons hockey cards, and they just play a game where they compare the two players, and they... See who wins. Whoever's better. Gets the cards. And I thought it'd be a fun way for us to A, break up the depression of this segment, of this whole show, of this season, really. And B, we we don't get to talk about individual players on other teams a lot. There's an entire 600 card set I have to collect. (laughs) So these ended up being a little janker than I wanted. I'm going to, if we enjoy this segment, let us know, folks. We always welcome feedback. If you hate us doing that, fine. 
we'll skip if it. You just hate but us. <laughs> we'd love to hear it. A lot of people on. hate us. But uh, yeah, we just thought this would be a fun. If that doesn't sound fun to you, skip to the end. We're done with serious stuff. So we're just going to talk. We're just giving you more content. Would you like to start? Or would I like to start? I'll start. Just Are we doing front guys. to back, like face card? Oh, no, I'm, I'm here. I'll show you. Okay. Like that, like okay, that that's, okay, that's okay. okay. I already know who I got, and it's just Nick Cousins. Oh, so not good. I'm going to dominate that with Leandro Seidel. I was trying to think. The Gross. Deutschland Dangler, who was not so good last year. You ripped me. Oh, these okay. So these these are last year. These are so old. <laughs> I've got uh, storied New Jersey forward Patrick Maroon. Oh, baby, your first blue. I'm countering that with Carl Soderberg. That's a W for you, baby. Are we supposed to keep the cards we win? I, I guess I don't know. I guess that's the only way I'm going to be able to keep Give track of that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll I'll go first this time. Yeah. I have the legendary. <laughs> Recent Buffalo Saber acquisition, salary dump, Connor Sheary. Beat that, baby. <laughs> uh, I, I think you won. I've got Keith Kincaid. Ooh, of but the he's Devils. like a maybe starting goaltender now. I don't know. Uh, that seems like. I all right, I'll take it. it. I think I'll take you took it. it. I don't know what Connor Sheary's been doing on Buffalo. Anything? Well, let's find out. That's, that's the point of Let this game know, is Anthony. to talk about players that we don't talk about much so go ahead and put your next card down and i'll find out oh okay well it's it's Ovi. so (laughs) i mean i don't know an Ovi all-star card i counter with a brandon montour i don't even want him uh connor sheary has three goals and one assist in six games played but manages to be a minus five I don't know how. i say that's not bad, but <laughs> I guess power play goals. of ice time per game. Good huh. for him. All right. I've got, ooh, the guy that's scoring eight goals on us on Saturday, Kasperi Kapanen. Oh, baby. I've got Mark Stahl. I think you win. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, body of work, mate, whatever. Well, I mean, if you want to give it to I don't want Mark you, Stahl you either. I guess that's how this works. You just get crappy cards. Yeah, cause... the one you're getting from me is crappy. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, All right. Oh, Devin Dubnik. Oh, baby. You've got all the goal, good goalies down here. And I've just got Andreas Athanasiu. He's faster, but he's not better. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you go first. Okay, okay. I have the legend himself, Christian Jews. I was like, who? <laughs> did, did I sell it? With yeah, because I was confused. <laughs> Campus Lindholm I, of the Ducks. Yeah, Man, I don't I, I'll take good. Christian Juice. I'm sorry. I'm not even good. <laughs> just, all oh, right. I'm going again. Am I going again? Sure. Why not? I've got, I think, still a penguin, Riley Sheehan. Or Sheehan. Now, see, I've got Thomas Placanic, but he's in his Maple Leafs Ooh, uniform. That's rarer for sure. This janky card is pretty rare. <laughs> I'll take it. He's got more body work. I'm winning this next one anyway, so why don't you put down... <laughs> Have you won one? Card. Yes. Woof. <laughs> but I've got an all-time favorite of mine coming up. It's not... Oh, wait, is this the right thing? No. It's not Colton Sissons? <laughs> no, it's Patrice Bergeron. Let's go. Oh, fine. You I, can have Colton Sissons. <laughs> oh, Austin Watson's the bad guy. That's what yes. it was. I was like, which one are you? <laughs> Ooh, all right, go for it. I, was, I shouldn't have looked, but now I'm interested. Zach 
Cassian. Is he even uh, still in the league? I thought you were going to say Zach Sanford because I want him to face up against Ivan Barbashev. Ooh, you get a blue. Who wins? Is Zach Cashin still in the league? <laughs> Let's see. Who had more points last year? That's got to be. I got 19. Um, 13. I'll take it, I guess. You can, you can have Ivan Barbashev. You have the signed puck. I have the meaningless jank hockey card. I'm going. I'm going. It's Josh Anderson. That's a, oh, yeah. Anderson. I got Nino Niederreiter. Oh, you win that easy. <laughs> Not good, but still better. Ooh, this is an interesting insert. Go Jamie ahead. McGinn? I have Matt Nieto. Speaking of... Formerly and presently inept Colorado <laughs> Avalanche. I think you win. Uh, sure. Sure. I'll take a win. What a bunch You're of nobodies. kicking my ass up and down High Street. Let's go. Ooh, I've got Pierre Edward Belmar. Ooh. Our first, our first uh, Vegas. Vegas Golden Knight. I have Evan Rodriguez, a personal favorite of Anthony Chandra, and Yoink. now your card. <laughs> now mine. Although he scored more games against the, more goals against the Blues in a single game, that's than true. I have Mister TJ Brody. Oh, boo! Wrong TJ. Yeah, wrong TJ died. <laughs> I have some Tristan Jerry. Tristan Jerry, baby. Yeah, that's I'm yours. Who the hell is that? Back up, back up, goaltender. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about Shea Weber? Ooh, Ooh that's gonna be rough. I think I. Oh, just for Brat, it's you. <laughs> I want to win a good one from you. I want to be close, but a, a real win. Got no real wins yet. Yes, I want one. Oh, How true. about, ooh, Nail Yakupov of the Colorado Avalanche. <laughs> He's yours. Pick, but I had the longer beard with Brett Burns. Ooh, close. That was close. I wish I'd been able to save that card to play on a more meaningful hand. I have... Christian Volanen of the Ottawa Senators. Who is that? Belleville Senators. Nikolai Roy? Wah? Is it Roy or Wah? Roy. It's Roy. It's I've heard Roy. of neither of these people. You win. It's Roy for sure. I've heard of him. Oh, He's okay. That's good. Senator. How about... Oh... Evgeny Malkin. Have you heard of him? Uh, I've heard of him, and I counter him with a New York Rangers team checklist. Get that shit out of here. I'm going to assume we all have one of those in the deck. I present to you an Arizona Coyote who a throwback, Nicholas Jolmerson. It's at least kind of a decent player. It's a throwback? I mean, it's weird. I don't know what it technically is, but it's Why weird. is it a throwback to last year? <laughs> Whatever. Look, take the card. What a, what a waste of my it. Vulcan card. <laughs> Jesus. Um, I also have a throwback. It's old-timer Brock Besser. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or no, all-star. It's an all-star card. And I have a different direction Oscar Clefbaum. Those are kind of a, that's kind of a close one. What the hell is What is it? It's Oscar Clefbaum. I know, but what's the card? Oh, just di- different direction. It's just sideways. Oh, okay. I thought it was like literally said different direction. I'm like, does that have anything to do with him? No, no. He's heading in a different direction. Down. Hit <laughs> me with your next shot. Oh, what is this? This is a rookie card. I don't even know. Oh, that's his, that's not his name. It's a rookie card. Tyrell Goolborn? 
Oh, baby. I Can I beat it with the brother of the all-time leading scorer of the Florida Panthers, UC Yoken? Yeah, I think you have to. I don't know who Tyler Goulborn is, and I've he came out of a week too early. It's a Yokenin. Oh, man, if he'd been Goulborn next week. Mm. Ooh, phenom Casey Middlestat. Oh, baby, I've got... Andre Vasilevsky. Read him in wheat, baby. Uh, I think you beat me. I think, I think with the best me. goalie in hockey, I win. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready? What should we got? Robert Hag of the Flyers. I have Hog, this very Hog. tiny John Tavares New York Islanders card. <laughs> what the hell is this? <laughs> this is Folks, like... we'll have to post some pictures of this cards. On Why our was Instagram that in page. there? <laughs> Did you just win John yeah, Tavares with he's tiny. <laughs> <laughs> I just took him. <laughs> just took him because he's tiny. Okay. Let's Andre Palat. I have, oh, Freddie Anderson. Yeah, you got it, I think. Uh, it's close. That one's a close one. That They're almost wearing the same jersey. We should debate. We should debate the close one. How about Tyler Bertuzzi? Oh, baby. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, our yeah. boy Tommy Hummel, would give that to me in a wash. <laughs> he loves him some R&H, and he's been good this year, so good. kudos to you, Tommy. You were ahead of the game. Washed up second round, second overall pick, that is Nolan Patrick. Oh, baby. Well, Washed you're up. definitely going to take my Denise Maldron card. <laughs> <What the hell? laughs> Oh. oh, that's the one that I always think is Malkin when they have them. They're always like Malkin. I'm like, what? Uh, I have to present to you a Matthias Yanmark. I guess I would win with Ryan Miller. I mean, uh, yeah, his general on body of work for yeah. sure. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Speaking of washed up. <laughs> High picks, I offer you Jesse Puyayarvi. How about Rasmus Rustalainen? Oh, you taking that easy. <laughs> easy want, peasy. Man, I don't want half of these, obviously. Uh, Rasmus Rustalainen gets more time on ice in a game than Puyayarvi gets in a month. <laughs> Yikes. How about Sammy Vatnin of the Devils? How about, oh, the one I wanted to come up when you had Shea Weber earlier, Ryan Sutter. Is yours. Yeah, you're darn right he is. <laughs> Was that the one they traded for Adam Henrique? Yes. Okay, well, there you go. How about... How about... about ooh, 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 uh, go ahead. You see Saros. It's nothing fun. How about I win him with my Evgeny Malkin? What? Now we've each got an Evgeny Malkin. I wish we had both pulled out Evgeny Malkin at the same <laughs> time. Like, <laughs> what? Pick which one's more perfect. How many cards do you have left? Because I've got Three. two. Oh, oh, one of them is like a stats card. Oh, good. You get rid of that. Team checklist one. Okay, All here right. we go. Play your second, your penultimate card. Let's do both of them at the same time. We'll, it's like Ooh, a team. Ooh, double hand. Yeah. Okay. I give you the team of Sam Reinhardt and Carey Price. Oh, yeah. You won't score any goals, but you won't score any either. <laughs> There's uh, Sean Corrali of the Boston Bruins <laughs> starting off great. And then there's Tommy Wingles of the Boston Oh, baby. Those are years. Oh, man. I enjoyed that. When we get less jank hockey cards, I'm going to enjoy it even more. I got to find that tiny, tiny John Tavares so we can tweet and Instagram out a photo. If you're still listening, which you aren't, thank you for tuning in to the Two Guys No Cup podcast. Do you have anything else you'd like to say? Will Mike Yo be the head coach of this team when we reconvene next 
Friday, correct? Because mm-hmm. you were watching the Columbus game live. Hopefully not yeah. sick this time. Correct. Uh, will he be the coach? No. You think no? 100% no. 100% no. If He's I'm calling it. wrong, um, something the will happen. The only thing I wish is that... I heard a little more hot takery in the media, by the way. I think you won. Did you win the card race? I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you made up a little bit there. Especially as as bad as you were kicking my butt in the start. Um, Yeah, I think, I wish I'd heard a little more buzz in the national media about it. But other than that, it doesn't look great. Folks, we will see you on Twitter on Saturday night. You bring the beer, we'll bring the misery. Until then, adios. Bye.